This is episode 288 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's articles are Bug Out or Bug In, Making the Right Choice for Your Situation, and 10 Places to Find Water in the City Post-SHTF. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 288 and a brand new week. Hey, I'd like to welcome all of our listeners, especially our new listeners. And if you are not subscribed, make sure you do that in iTunes, Stitcher, or any other podcast network. Hey, I want to give a quick shout out to Denali Dude, who left a review on iTunes. And, you know, when I when we get reviews on iTunes, it really helps the podcast to get out there in the algorithms uh, of iTunes and, and get in front of more people. And uh, Denali Dude said, the podcast is informative and covers a wide variety of stuff. The way he brings it across is like he's sitting right beside you, never talking down to you. Always a pleasure to listen to this and delivers it as a Christian and sets the bar for the rest of us to follow. God bless him for his time and dedication. Thanks again for the wonderful show. Love the life thing as well. <laughs> so Denali Dude, thank you so much for doing that. From the bottom of my heart, it means a whole lot to get those reviews. It's very encouraging. So uh, thank you so much. And guys, when you do leave a, a five-star review and you know, and also uh, a little you know, message as well, it's uh, just a blessing. And so I, I really do appreciate that. Guys, I'm going to be very honest with you. As I started this podcast, I was like, you know, there's a couple of things out there that are kind of concerning me. And and so I don't want to be all doom and gloom and, and come across that way at all. But there are some things that in our world, and again, coming from a Christian perspective, that are a little bit concerning. And so we definitely need to stay prepped and aware. We definitely need to stay ahead of what's going on and uh, keep situationally aware, not only of our local situation, you should be doing that on a daily basis, but also on the global situations as well, because we are so interconnected that things that happen in other places begin to affect us here. And so one of the things that um, it just, as I was getting ready, I brought up the Drudge Report and uh, right on the very top of the Drudge Report, it says Facebook penalizes pro-Trump diamond and silk unsafe to community. And so uh, if you're not familiar with Diamond and Silk, they are African-American women who became very popular during the the presidential race. Um, They were supporters of Donald Trump and uh, got a lot of attention very quickly and built a big following. But because of that, because they are conservative, Facebook is starting to downgrade their viewership as far as not serving them up to people. It doesn't change the amount of people that have liked their pages but it, they are changing the amount of people that actually see what they're producing and what they're putting out there on Facebook. And for people who are dependent on that, you know, luckily, I, Prepper Website, the Prepper Website podcast, I'm not dependent on that. But there are a lot of people who have built businesses. And so one of the things is they communicate with people out there. And they have used Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all these other places, YouTube, and and then because they have some kind of conservative or patriotic or some kind of prepper uh, bent on it, they're starting to get 
you know, to where they're they're tampering down their viewership and people are not able to see them unless you go specifically to their page, right? Un unless you go dial them up specifically and search them out, you're not going to see what they're what they're producing, what they're what they're putting out. It's a very limited reach. And I think that's a very scary thing for those of us who are out there because I, I do believe it is an agenda that is being contrived. It's an agenda that's being served up. On the same lines of talking about Facebook and social media here, uh, this weekend I listened to uh, Jan Markell's podcast. And uh, I, I definitely would recommend that if you are a believer that you listen, you know, you can subscribe to her podcast. I don't necessarily agree with everything that she says, but she brings in some good people and they have some good conversations. This week she interviewed Eric Barger, who a lot of the times is her co-host. And he talked, he's been doing some research and studying and uh, putting out some papers on or articles on uh, social media and how, uh, you know, they're, they're gathering so much information. I know there's been a lot of people have talked about this in the past. I know even I have talked about it in the past to where it's like, look, if you are online, there is no way that you cannot uh, have some kind of connection here, right? There's cookies and there's, and when I say cookies, you know, things that kind of connect you to things that you have searched for and all those kinds of things. But it's starting to get really scary. I know a lot of people in the preparedness community do not do social media. I have listened or I have received emails from people who, who saw my Facebook or saw me or hear me talking about Facebook Live and it's like, Todd, we don't get on Facebook. So is there a way? I'm like, yeah, I put it up on YouTube. Um, but if you don't get on YouTube, then there's no other way to watch the video, right? Because that's where it's at. Um, I guess I can put it somewhere else, but then that would mean you downloading it. And then that would, uh, if you're like on your phone or something like that, or you're in a rural area that that's, uh, you know, a lot of bandwidth that you're using, but it is starting to get to this point. So anyway, so it, going back to, uh, Jan Markell's podcast, I, I think it's one of those ones that is gonna is a little scary uh, as you start listening to it. So I was listening to it on the way to church this morning. Uh, I was by myself uh, on the way to church listening to that one. And then on the way home from church, I normally always listen to John Haller's prophecy update. So that's usually out uh, by the time uh, by the time I get out of church or I'm going home. And so I listened to that and he referenced Jan Markell's podcast. And uh, talked a little bit about that. Talked a little bit about uh, about that. And I didn't. I, I didn't really uh, get to finish it because you know, my drive home is not as long as that video is. So I'll finish it uh, tomorrow morning as I'm getting ready and, and and all that good stuff. But I'm starting to get a little concerned. I mean, I'm going to be very honest with you. I'm a little concerned about social media out there. Now, I, I don't. I'm very careful about what I do um, for my personal on my personal Facebook page. The only thing that I have posted and probably now going on about two years is just scripture and uh, my daily devotional that I do. So I, I write a daily devotional and I uh, kind of throw it up there. And that's what, you know, uh, that's pretty much all I do. I don't do anything else. Now, uh, the things that go to Prepper website, um, th those are kind of automatic and they're, they're sent there automatically. Sometimes I do post things there as Prepper website as far as uh, a video or I share something out or something along those lines. And then the Facebook group, and that's pretty much all I, I stay there on, uh, you know, on social media. But you know, you we might need to get to the point where we are being very careful about 
what we're putting on social media, you know, and what we what we are liking, what we are sharing. And uh, again, uh, you got to listen to the podcast. It was uh, it was a little scary there. Um, and and so uh, I, I, I'm rethinking some of the things. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm just rethinking some of my things and, and some of the, the my viewpoints on on some of these uh, because it's it's kind of starting to get concerning out there. Another thing that's concerning me, and again, just because I want to keep eyes on it, is the thing that's going on in Syria. Uh, before I got on the podcast, there were some tweets I saw on Twitter, and uh, I believe, uh, let me see, where else? There, well, on, on Drudge Report, there was um, a, you know, a headline on the gas attack. So there was a gas attack, and uh, you know, Trump and, and other world leaders are condemning it. And uh, saying that it's Assad, and uh, you know the Russians are saying no, it's fake news. Well, there was uh, some attacks uh, this evening, so Sunday night. Those of you who are not familiar with it, I, I record the Monday morning podcast or the Monday podcast on Sunday evening. So there's some reports that there was explosions in Syria at a Syrian military base, and uh, you know some people are saying it's Israel or America, and uh, they're not really, uh, you know, no one's no one's really saying it. So it might be too soon, but. Uh, when I say you know concerned or at least paying attention, you have in for those that are believers and those that are Christians, you have end time players right now in the Middle East that you know people have always talked about you know, like Russia, like you know you've always had Iran there, you've always had you know the the Middle Eastern countries there, and that's like a no brainer. But up until a couple of years ago, you never you know Russia was not not part of it, and people you know like how is Russia going to be a part of this? Well, lo and behold, there you go. Russia shows up on the scene and they are there and they are building military bases and they are entrenched now in the Middle East. And so you have some in time players there and something to definitely be aware of what's going on over there. And so uh, just uh, keeping an eye out, you know, there's there's a lot of things that we keep eyes out for. You know, a lot of things that can keep us in, in. Guys, I don't stay stressed about it. I'm not anxiety ridden about it. I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to do everything, but I am going to stay aware of what's going on over there because I do believe that it does play a part in, uh, in, in at least in my beliefs and where everything lines up. So be looking for, uh, I'm going to link to that Jan Markell podcast in the show notes. Uh, and I'm also going to, um, you know, this week, like always, I'll be putting together the Weekly Watchman with all the various uh, videos, and I'll be posting that on Ed That Matters, and so I'll let you know when I do that. All right, so went very long there, uh, this, this you know, starting out here at the beginning of the podcast, but uh, just some things that, again, you know, that are, are coming to my mind and uh, causing me to, to just pay attention to, uh, you know, uh, keep an eye out just a little bit more. All right, so let's go ahead and dive right into our first article of the podcast. It comes to us from BackdoorSurvival.com. And this is an article uh, and a topic that is very uh, important, I guess, for those of us in the preparedness community because we do need to be able to determine when we need to bug out and when we need to bug in. We need to make that right choice. We need to kind of uh, war game this a little bit maybe in our mind if you have a spouse you need to talk about it. Hey, when is it too crazy for us that we, we both feel like we need to move out and we need to not move out, bug out 
and uh, you know go somewhere else. You need to have a plan and all those kinds of things. So hopefully this will get you thinking about that or uh, maybe thinking about your plans and maybe tightening it up if you need to. So let's go ahead and read this one again from Backdoor Survival, Bug Out or Bug In, making the right choice for your situation. To bug out or bug in, that is a question that a lot of us may have given some thought to over the years. If you haven't thought about it much, then you probably should ask yourself some questions that will help you think more logically about it when the time comes. Here are some questions to think about now, but also ask yourself when a situation arises. How long is the emergency likely to last? While there are things that may be impossible for you to know, an emergency that is only going to have a major impact for a few days or a week might mean that you are better off staying put and not contributing to congestion or involving yourself in large crowds. A little bit of civil unrest in town, for example, means that you should probably just stay in place. So there's some things in this article, guys, I'm just I'm going to say that really quick. Some things that I agree with and don't agree with. And I'm going to, this next one is, um, I'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, definitely agree on this one because um, when whenever we've had hurricanes here in the Houston area, people, I guess, start to panic and they, they bail. And uh, I've talked about that previously uh, many times on the podcast about, you know, during Hurricane Ike, how people died on the side of the road because uh, just the congestion. And so, you know, we've always said during a hurricane, we are not leaving. We are, we're staying here during hurricane, uh, hurricane season or if a hurricane is, is going to hit Galveston and come up to Houston. But the other thing is, is that, you know, there's times where you do need to bug out and you need to be ready for that. Uh, and, you know, Harvey, Hurricane Harvey was that perfect example. So uh, I do agree with, uh, you know, the, the civil unrest here. I would have probably used something more like a hurricane or, or something like that. But, uh, you know, you, you really need to think about it if it's a, just a small situation in a city like Houston. Uh, you know, it's so uh, it's so big. Civil unrest downtown. Uh, we're not even going to feel, you know, unless you are tied into the Internet or the news or or whatever, you are not going to hear about it because just Houston is just so big. And so you might live in a in a city that like that. Um, if you live in a smaller city and very tight community, it might be a little bit different. But then then again, you probably wouldn't have civil unrest going on there unless things really, really got bad. So anyway, uh, our next the next topic here is the, a nuclear incident. A nuclear incident means get out ASAP and plan on staying gone a long time or possibly forever. In this type of situation, you might consider using your car to get out as far away as you can, even dumping it and going on foot if it comes down to it. Keeping in mind that if you bug out of a nuclear zone, there may be checkpoints set up for evacuees. It is possible for you to have everything you have carefully chosen and packed, taken and disposed of because of the chance it is radioactive then you will have to depend on the state to help you. Those that lived in the Fukushima nuclear zone were not allowed to go back for an, for any items for four years. Okay, so let me talk a little bit about this. Depending on the nuclear incident, right? Um, if it was like a nuclear bomb that went off, you are not wanting to move ASAP. <laughs> you know, you're wanting to... Uh, tighten down and you're wanting to go into uh, a room where you're able to kind of block everything off and uh, stay there for a while so that any radioactive, depending on how bad it is, right? Um, any radioactive material that is floating in the in the air, you want it to just float down. You don't want it in the air. You want it to float down to the ground and then you want it to uh, dissipate. 
So you want to do that for a couple of days, depending on what, what that is, right? If it is like something like Fukushima, uh, people, people, they really left Fukushima because of the tsunami. And then the nuclear incident caused them not to be allowed to go back in, right? And so that's a, that was a terrible situation. And that situation, you want to bug out, uh, a bug out bag and make sure you have, you know, a lot of things, uh, prepared for that. But, uh, you know, you just really need to, to think that through. If it is a situation like uh, a nuclear reactor, like I'm in Houston and let's say, you know, there's a nuclear reactor somewhere that's melting down and it's, it's taking a couple of days to melt down and they're not sure that it's, you know, whatever, right? Uh, or you're, so there's not really one next to, right next to Houston. Um, but let's say you were in a, in a city that was, you know, you were close to one and you're being told that it is going to melt down or there's a fear of melting down. Then in that case, I would be bugging out. I would be, you know, going ahead and uh, getting stuff together. And uh, you can be a little bit uh, more purposeful in that, loading up the cars and, you know, getting out. And you still got to deal with the congestion. Hopefully, people aren't bugging out yet and you can get ahead of that. But, you know, you might, in a situation like that, you might bug out ASAP. Uh, but, you know, you just got to really think that through. And that's why I'm saying you're always got to be prepped and aware. You got you to gotta have a little bit of knowledge here. All right. So moving forward, do you have the supplies you need to survive? Notice I said to survive. Just because you don't have everything you might want doesn't mean you don't have what you need for you and your family to survive. Risking safety to get unnecessary things can lead to tragedy. Just look what happens when there is snowfall. There are plenty of people that go about their business even when what they are doing is completely unnecessary. Considering the advanced weather forecast and equipment we have today, there is little excuse for not doing your shopping in advance. Is there civil unrest in your area or any of the surrounding areas? Bugging out means traveling and if there is civil unrest then it may be better for you to stay put for at least a few days before getting out. Getting caught up in, a violence, in violence has happened to a lot of people. If you try to get out and run into blocked roads or people that may target you based on appearance, what you are driving, or any other thing that stands out, the situation may become rapidly dire. Where are you going when you bug out? Have you prepared yourself physically so that you can carry a pack for many miles if you plan on going on foot? Some readers seem to have it all figured out when it comes to where they are going if they have to bug out, while others seem to think they are just going to hit the road the bush, etc., and see how it goes. Regardless of how well you know an area, taking off and surviving in the bush is easier said than done. Hitting the woods, bugging out on foot, is a last resort usually. If danger is coming your way and there seems no way to stay in place, then you should think about bugging out. Those that are reading this that have heard someone say or thought to themselves that since they have a pack, gear, and a rifle, they can take and pillage for whatever they need after their supplies run out or in for a are in for a big surprise. While this type of action may get you through for a while, eventually someone is going to catch you. No one is on top of it all the time. If you steal and pillage enough during an SHTF scenario, someone is going to take you out. Do you have kids that are going to need extra care and that will slow down any progress on foot? Are there elderly or disabled persons in your home that will need transportation to get out of a situation? Sometimes I wonder how well everyone has prepared for their children in long-term or even short-term emergencies. Kids cannot move as fast as an adult and honestly, with the lack of physical education and outdoor activity, they are not all in the shape that kids years ago were in. 
Those with kids need to be realistic about what is feasible. Bugging out with an infant is going to be pretty hard. I won't say it's impossible by any stretch, but it's going to require some special planning and gear. Some families just plan on bugging out with transportation. There are a lot of options beyond a regular car, even if they are just going to be used to get you to a location and then be abandoned. You know, uh, one of the things that I've always said, and I believe, I don't believe we talk about bike bicycles enough. I know every once in a while we get an article and uh, on Prepper website and we post those up. And definitely you can go into the tag cloud and uh, research a, a, a tag uh, and research bicycles and, and you'll get some articles there but i just don't think we um that is a viable solution for a lot of people you can you can cover a lot of ground in a bicycle and uh you know buying uh buying some some bicycles maybe at garage sales you know or off of uh, craigslist or something like that some some sturdy mountain bikes might be something that you want to do not only can you have them for an emergency situation or, or, or you can just use them for the weekend for exercise and, and stuff like that and, and making maybe doing not necessarily uh, hikes, but you can do some bicycle hikes, right? And uh, that would be cool. All right, so is a major event like a wildfire, flood, tsunami, or vol- volcanic eruption occurring or imminent? Wildfires, floods, and volcanic eruptions are all excellent reasons for bugging out. The sooner you do, the better to some degree. If you wait too long, then you risk being stuck in traffic with danger rapidly approaching. Wildfires are awful and they can spread rapidly and trap people. Look at the terrain around you and the wooded areas. Crown fires are among the worst things that can come your way. Back in 2016, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee experienced a fire that burned a large portion of town. It was fueled by very high winds and there was absolutely nothing that firefighters could do to get it under control. Even the best of the best cannot do much against near hurricane force winds mixed with fire. I grew up on the Skagit River in the North Cascades of Washington State and my father was always extremely proactive in getting out of town before everyone else when flooding was predicted. He would come get me at school even. This was a good thing because if you waited too long, all the hotels and motels were full except the more expensive ones and even those could be limited. Guys, I don't know if you've ever seen the, uh, the pictures of people that were evacuating when, uh, when there was fires all around them. And that is scary. I mean, there were some, uh, you know, the California fires where people are on the freeway and the whole uh, hillside is on fire. But there's even been scarier ones. I know that Daisy Luther over at Organic Prepper, uh, if I remember correctly, she had an article. Uh, and I can't remember where the fire was. But uh, there was a video of, of someone that was leaving. And I mean, th- th- there, was fire, there was fire all around. It was like a tunnel of fire. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, you don't know the whole situation, the scenario, why that person waited. You know, did they wait so long to get out? Or was it just that the fire moved so quickly, picked up so quickly that, uh, you know, they, they didn't realize it. But there was... I mean, it was absolute. I mean, it was really scary. Just, just you know, and I, I don't get, I don't get freaked out, but I was scared for the person, you know, in the car. I mean, they were, they were videoing and there were, there were. So that's kind of crazy, videoing and driving in this tunnel of fire, basically, because there was fire all around them. So uh, definitely, definitely good reasons to bug out. Uh, volcanoes. As far as volcanoes go, my dad still vividly remembers hearing Mount St. Helens explode in 1980. He and my mother were living near Forks, Washington, and they'd heard it clearly that far away. The only fatalities from that event were due to several stubborn older individuals refusing to leave their homes. 
This goes to show that getting out when you need to is important. The instruments used to monitor volcanoes are quite advanced. Anyone living near a volcano should pay attention to any warnings about any activity whatsoever. At the same time, volcanoes smoke a bit if they are even the least bit active. There were many times when I was a kid that we could see a haze over Mount Baker. If you looked close, you could see an indent on Sal Mountain where the steam escaped. It is when the major activity starts happening that you need to pay attention to reports. Tsunamis. Even getting 50 feet above sea level can save you in a tsunami. If you're in a tsunami zone and get a warning, then get out, no questions asked. These can come fast and they are often the effect of another natural disaster like an earthquake, a landslide, or a volcanic eruption. I remember being under tsunami warnings living in Ketchikan, Alaska, and it was pretty scary. Do you have the right food and enough of it for bugging out? It may be quite some time before you can re-up your food supplies. Carrying a lot of food means a heavy pack. You also need to have food that doesn't require much preparation. If you are on your feet a lot, then you are going to need more calories than you normally would. If I was going to bug out, I would want at least a week's worth of rations with two weeks being preferable. You will thank yourself and your back for having freeze-dried, not dehydrated food if you have to get out of Dodge fast. When you add up the cost per day for freeze-dried, it is actually a lot less than what most people spend to eat a standard diet at home and far less than the cost of a single cheap meal from a deli or a restaurant. Having bug-out transportation is great, but you need to be careful about what you choose to pack. Use your extra space wisely. Food, water, and water filter, fuel, medical supplies, clothing, footwear, and personal defense supplies come to mind when I think about the best use of space. So very quickly here, um, so I completely understand what she's saying. She's, she's, her article is coming more from a, a point of you are carrying everything, you know, and I've talked a lot about if you are bugging out, you might be bugging out in your vehicle and, you know, that's, that might be, that's probably preferable to most people. Uh, in that situation, you can put food buckets in and, you know, dehydrated food buckets and, and things like that. Uh, in your in your vehicle, um, I understand the freeze dried. I really haven't tried freeze dried food before. Um, I still stick to the you know I, I try to have a you know a, a good supply of canned foods and, and dry foods, and then I have food buckets that I've made, and then I have dehydrated foods that uh, that I you know that I believe in that I have tried like legacy foods uh, that I'm an affiliate for, and so I I. You know, that's kind of where I've gone. I've never tried the freeze-dried food. Um, so definitely look up the cost per, uh, you know, per serving on those. And make sure that the servings are actually the size, like a decent size. Because sometimes you're serving, they might, the cost of serve, the cost per serving might be low. But then your serving size might be like half a cup. Whereas, you know, somebody else like, you know, legacy foods, their, their serving size might be two cups. And so it might be just a little bit more expensive, but the serving size is so much more. So really, you really need to pay attention when you are buying food like that. And then the other thing that I would recommend is don't go out and just stock up on, you know, a big O supply of food when you have not tried it. Try it. So I know Legacy Foods has sampler packs. Order some of the sampler packs 
and try it out. And if if it's good, if you like those, then go for it. You know, I uh, recently, I think I talked about this. Uh, I did the Legacy Food pancakes, and oh my gosh, they were good. And so, I mean, like I. I completely, I feel very, very comfortable recommending Legacy Foods to you. But if you have others out there just, or you want to try others, just, you know, don't, don't go out and spend a lot of money without actually trying them because you might find that you just, they just taste horrible and you're never going to eat them, right? So uh, definitely go do that. All right. So um, let's continue on. Do you have animals that need care? We have dogs, sheep, geese, and cats to think about during an emergency. Even just having a dog means you need to give some thought to what is best for them during an emergency short or long term. Those of us with livestock, dogs and cats need to be concerned about what calls to make when it comes to their safety and well-being in an emergency or disaster. Sometimes I have got a little grief from cat owners for not including them in pet survival bug out bags. The truth of the matter is that if you are bugging out in a vehicle or temporarily and have transportation then go ahead and include your cat. But if you are taking to the woods, your cat isn't going with you. A dog can trudge along, but a cat is not going to do that. And carrying them constantly is not realistic. I love my kitties, but if I have to leave my home for a little while, I will be leaving out an auto feeder that they can reach and others can't and letting them fend for themselves until I get back. A 13-pound bag of cat food lasts a month or more. Of course, bugging out with transportation for the long term may mean that you can take a cat along. I recommend having airline-approved pet carriers on hand. If you have to take other transportation, you are more likely to be allowed to have your pets accompanying you. Livestock like sheep, cattle, and goats that are on pasture and have a good source of water can fend for themselves. So I'll uh, I'll say during Hurricane Harvey, there was uh, very, very sad videos of people that went back to there because they had to leave very quickly and uh, of animals that that drowned and others that made it but uh, they were really torn up bad. So there's one specific video that uh, I, I don't think I could find again. But uh, it was just very sad that uh, you know this gentleman was going back to his to his uh, homestead and uh, he was finding all the animals that were lying around dead and, and those that were hurt because they were trying to get away from the water. So uh, you know you really need to if if you have high ground that would be even better because then your animals could go to high ground and something like that. But even in fires and and stuff. Um, you know, hopefully there, there would be a way for them to navigate that situation. All right. Things that make you more prepared for bugging in or bugging out enough food to get through a few months in case the grocery store is not an option. If you are bugging in, I recommend a week's worth or more if bugging out, if at all possible, water filtration suitable for your household size. Always have a backup water filter in case you filter, you first filter, your first filter gets damaged. Hey guys, I just released uh, an unboxing and review of the Hydro Blue pressurized jerry can. I really like this water filter. Uh, Again, I'm an affiliate for it. Uh, I uh, just full disclosure on that one, but I do have it out on our counter and we are using that as a, as a regular water filter right now. And uh, so I'm really pleased with it. I think it's a great deal. And uh, I'm going to link to the video in the show notes so you can go check that out. Entertainment for bugging in. Sure, you can get by without entertainment, but it is going to make for a miserable time, especially if you need to keep kids busy. Books, coloring books, pencils, pens, and small electronics are good options, especially if you have some extra battery banks you can keep keep charged up. 
Little solar setups are inexpensive. There are also plenty of charges you can plug into the wall and keep topped off in case of a power outage. Clothing for varying temps and weather conditions. Check out my post on best clothing to have on hand for SHTF. A way to cook meals. If you can cook outside, then a rocket stove can work. If you have to, you can make your own using a variety of materials. For those in apartments or urban areas, a propane stove that can run on the one-pound fuel bottles can be a big help. You need no electricity for a propane burner or Coleman stove. One of the uh, the other things that I think uh, I've seen more often recently are the butane stoves as well. I think they're a little bit more popular like in Europe and, and Asia, but uh, you can buy them on Amazon, uh, small little butane uh, canisters and in uh, in stove stove tops you know like a one uh, burner stove top and uh, definitely those those might be something you might want to look into uh, a radio if other sources are not available a radio can keep you connected to the outside world enough to know what is going on uh, a bit better the right radio can also be used for communications pet supplies my previous post a pet best pet supply kit ideas and products has a few suggestions to get started putting a good kit together Try to keep at least a few weeks worth of dog food on hand at all times. A month or more is better. And defenses. While having a firearm close by is nice, there are a lot of other weapons that can be quite formidable. Non-lethal weapons are easy to get and inexpensive. I learned a lot about them writing best non-lethal weapons for the prepared individual. Remember that your situation is unique to you. I can help you get started thinking about a big decision on bugging out or bugging in, but everyone has their own circumstances to plan for. Being prepared means taking a long, hard look at your limitations and strengths and creating a game plan that works with those characteristics. Situations can change fast. Being prepared is great, but there are things that are beyond your control. No matter how prepared and skilled you are, you need to realize that situations can change fast. You may wisely decide to bug in, but then learn that the situation has escalated and you need to get out ASAP. The best we can all do is prepare for either case the best we can and practice good situational awareness. Do you have a plan? What measures have you taken to make sure your family is prepared for bugging out or bugging in? Awesome. I do agree definitely that you need to have a plan for if you are bugging out, even if you don't plan to bug out, even if it's more like, you know, bugging out is going to be my last resort. Have a plan, have plan A, maybe uh, plan B, even plan C. So where if if things go awry, you know where you can go and you can uh, you can take care of you can take care of your family and, uh, you know, make sure that everyone is safe. All right, guys, a lot of good information over at BackdoorSurvival.com. One of the things to remember is always is the viewpoint that the author is taking. And so, you know, uh, Samantha here was writing about uh, more of a a standpoint of bugging out and you're going to be more on foot. And, uh, you know, a lot of other people will write articles on bugging out uh, with the standpoint that you might be bugging out on foot or you might be bugging out with your vehicle, right? Uh, and that's always preferable. And I think Samantha mentioned that as well here. It's always preferable. You can take more stuff with you and be better prepared. But if it got down to it and you needed to, to trek it and go all by foot, then you know you need to make sure that you have what you need to be able to do that. So again, over at BackdoorSurvival.com. Our next article comes to us from SurvivalSullivan.com. And the article is entitled, 10 Places to Find Water in the City Post-SHTF. Now, 
being in the city that is going and you if you are in the city and you are caught in the city during an SHTF situation uh, and a lot of people are like hey I live in the city this is where I'm going to be uh, you need to have supplies and all that good stuff but water eventually your water is going to run out and if you are dependent right now on water uh, from the city and if you are not on your own personal well even being in the city I mean where I live uh, it's rural Houston right in the suburb not rural Houston sorry suburbs of Houston and there are people out here that do have wells and so they would they would be fine they would just need to make sure that their wells are not uh, electricity dependent if the the grid went down they need to be able to have a hand pump or a way to get that uh, you know a water bell or a water bucket to be able to get that get that out but for most people in the city you know, once the your your water supply is gone, it's gone. And so what are you going to do? And so here are some ideas. And I'm going to tell you, these ideas are not ideal. And so, you know, it's one of those things that you just really got, it actually got me thinking about some other things for myself and for my family when I was, uh, uh, after, after rereading this and getting ready for the podcast. So let's go ahead and jump right into this one again. Uh, from survivalsullivan.com, 10 places to find water in the city post-SHTF. When it comes to a post-SHTF situation, one of the most critical resources you will need is fresh water that can be filtered for drinking. If you live in a more rural area or own a home with a little bit of land, you may have a well, spring, or other fresh water source on your property. But for the rest of us, storage space for water may be limited. If water to our home stops flowing for whatever the reason, our water stockpile will deplete quickly. This is especially the case for those that live in apartments, condos, housing allotments, or senior retirements or assisted living complexes. City folks need to know in advance where the places to find water in the city post-SHTF are located. Identifying and mapping out these water sources will save us critical time and energy when it comes time to collect water to filter post-SHTF. Knowing multiple places to find water in the city could be the difference between survival and death. So number one is public fountains. If water is off to your home or neighborhood due to a natural disaster or SHTF event, public fountains in nearby areas that still have public water can be an option. Always filter and boil water that you collect from public areas to stay, to stay on the safe side. Number two, outside water spigots on businesses or gas stations. When the water to your apartment or condo is disrupted, you may be able to still find some water by trying outdoor water spigots on businesses, gas stations, or other closed or abandoned buildings. I will tell you, one of the things you might want to invest in is a four-way water key. Uh, and then that way, when you have an apartment or a business or a condo uh, that has, because a lot of the times they just don't have uh, regular water spigots because they don't want people just turning it on and leaving it on. Uh, and so, you know, you, you need to have the, these water keys. Uh, another thing I will tell you is schools have a lot of these. I know our school uh, had a water uh, had water spigots, but you needed the key to be able to access it. And so you, they, they had a key to where it would take off the plate, and then they had a key to turn the, the water spigot on. And so, you know, if you're in a, in a neighborhood that has a, a school and you need some water, that is a place that you could go if you were in a dire situation, but invest in that water key. All right, number three is do-it-yourself car wash. Think about this one. What's more plentiful at a car wash than water? 
To take advantage of this possible place to find water in the city post-SHTF, you'll need to keep a supply of quarters at the ready. If power and public water is out only in your neighborhood or area, a quick run to your local DIY car wash may supply some water. Number four, community swimming pools. Organizations such as YMCAs, country clubs, and other recreational buildings with community swimming pools can be a source of water in a pinch when power and public water outages are widespread. Hundreds of gallons of water could be just a few blocks away. Sure, you'll need a filter and boil it to remove pool chemicals and other potential contaminants, but it's better than no water at all. All right, so definitely the water filter with pools, you know, you can do that, but you are going to damage your water. You're, you're cutting down the life of your water filter greatly when you, when you do something like that. And so that's always the reason why you want to have a little bit more water, uh, you know, pre- prepared. But anyway, that's definitely a way to do it. Number five, retention ponds near large businesses. Public and sometimes government properties such as industrial businesses, apartment complexes, hospitals, College campuses and nursing homes use retention or detention ponds to help manage flooding and stormwater runoff. These ponds can vary in size and shape, but they are designed to hold excess water for a brief time or more permanent time. Retention ponds filter water somewhat before letting it drain into a nearby river or stream and will always have a good amount of water in them. Detention ponds, on the other hand, are only made to hold stormwater surge and excess water for about 24 hours following a storm. They will dry up in between storms. It is important to know that both retention and detention ponds capture all the water runoff following storms. This means water coming from the street drains, parking lots, etc. flows into them in order to prevent flooding off roads, properties, and streams or rivers. Water in detention ponds is very unpredictable and is highly contaminated. It should be avoided. If you must collect water from a retention pond, find the place in the pond where the water drains into the nearby stream or river. Collect water from as close to the drain as possible and on the side of the stream or river if accessible. Water is somewhat filtered before it enters the river or stream, so it will be cleaner, but it is still not safe to drink. You must absolutely filter, boil, and whenever possible, distill water if collected from a retention pond. Number six. Lakes or creeks in public parks. When public water and power are knocked out in a widespread area that includes businesses and other buildings, consider lakes or streams in your local public park as alternatives. You'll likely need to bring along a handy operated pump and collection container, but hey, with a little effort, you can replenish your water supply. To be on the safe side, try to collect water upstream for any walk, bridges, or other areas where water might have been contaminated. Do not use water for drinking until you filter properly and boil to remove any contaminants. Streams or rivers. For those who live in a city with streams or rivers winding their way through, this can be a source of water when other options are unavailable. When feasible, collect water as close to the head of the stream or river as possible and upstream from any potential runoff sites such as factories, chemical plants, junkyards, auto repair shops, garbage dumps, sewage treatment plants, etc. Number eight, vending machines and office water coolers. One of the places to find water in the city post-SHTF that many people may not consider in their looting escapades are vending machines outside of local businesses and recreation centers. Most vending machines today include bottled water as well as other beverages and snack foods. Many offices also have water coolers located in the lobby or staff lounge. 
if power is working, a pocket full of quarters that you've stockpiled could get you some much needed water and nourishment. Looting and vandalism is illegal and in most circumstances unnecessary. But if power is out and you and your family are at risk of dehydration, you bring along your crowbar or tools and do what you need to do. Number nine, nursery businesses. When it comes to water, very few places will have a better setup than businesses whose main goal is to grow plants and flowers. Their livelihood depends on having water available to keep their products growing and healthy. This means they may have automatic generators that kick in for temporary and short-term power outages. Some water may still be flowing at these places even when it stops everywhere else. Keep in mind that trespassing is also illegal and should only be used as a last resort option in a life-threatening situation such as a post-SHTF situation. Number 10. Hotels or businesses with pools. Hotels or businesses with outdoor or even indoor pools are on the list because they are a source of water that most people won't think about. This means not only will you be able to collect water, you may not have to risk hordes of other people trying to get a quickly dwindling supply of bottled water like at a grocery store. Some hotels or businesses may still be unlocked or even open for business and you can simply plead your case with the staff and get permission. As a last resort, bring along your bolt cutters to assist with a lock chain or gate. Again, not condoning trespassing or breaking and entering, but when SHTF, it's a fair bet that following the letter of the law isn't going to worth, be worth dying over. Now that you know some of the places to find water in the city post-SHTF, below are some tips and safety reminders for storing and collecting water. Identify and map out potential sources of water within your city and neighboring areas before an SHTF event is upon you. Time will be of the essence. You may be racing against others in the area to find water for your family. Your transportation and energy levels may be limited, so getting to and from water sources quickly could be critical. Always properly filter and boil water whenever feasible. Include a stainless steel pot or other fireproof containers in case you need to boil water on the go over a fire. Filtering water removes large contaminants, dirt, and debris, but not harmful bacteria, organisms, and contaminants. And I believe uh, when they're talking about filtering there, they're talking about just filtering it with, uh, you know, with, like using a cotton, uh, you know, a cotton shirt or whatever to filter. Um, you know, there are water filters that will filter out bacteria and protozoan cysts. Um, there's so, well, most water filters, unless you have a special virus. Uh, filter on it will not filter out viruses, but uh, you know that's that's definitely something. That's why I like uh, the Hydro Blue. Um, you can take a look at that video, like again, um, like I mentioned earlier. Um, but definitely, you, you need to uh, take into account. Just so much to take into account here. Uh, boiling water at a ro rolling boil for one to three minutes, depending on elevation of your location, will remove much of the microscopic bacteria, organisms, and contaminants. Boiling alone does not remove heavy metals and also harmful contaminants. When in doubt, filter, boil, then distill and collect condensation. Your bob or get-home bag should always contain materials to collect, carry, filter, boil, and purify water. Any water that has not been filtered, boiled, and otherwise purified should not be used for drinking, cooking, or personal hygiene tasks. Knowing which places to find water in the city post-SHTF will be critical to the survival of you and your family. The more you know about the area you live in and the location of potential water sources, the better prepared you will be to provide for your family. But drinking water 
from unfamiliar sources comes with its own risk. To be properly prepared to take advantage of natural resources, you must also know how to properly collect, filter, purify, and store water safely. So guys, looking at all these different options here, you can see that the options are going to be very limited and there's going to be a lot of work. If you're in a situation in the city and it's post-SHTF, I mean, we're talking about, you know, the, the, the big one, right? You're going to have to, just to get water to drink, there's a lot of things you're going to have to do. You know, you're going to have to filter it out. You're going to have to boil it. You're going to have to distill uh, that. And that's going to take, uh, you know, boiling and distilling is going to take fuel. And you have to have the setup to be able to do that. And when you're doing that, you're not making a lot of water very quickly. And so that's something that, you know, if, if you're in that situation, you are going to be doing that all the time. You're going to be, there's going to be somebody like on water duty all the time trying to find water, trying to boil water and filter it and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, uh, you know, something to definitely, you need water filters, but you also need, if you, if, if this is your way of doing it, you need other options as well. Uh, know how to be able to distill it. Do you have a means to distill water uh, if you are going to be staying in the city and, uh, you know, going that route? So uh, one of the other things about the water filters is you know, when we talk about them, a lot of the times we talk about them more of a personal situation. Like we talk about, you know, the life straw. We talk about the Sawyer uh, mini water filters. Um, I do believe you do need something for the family. You know, if you have a family, you do need something uh, bigger than that. So that's why, again, the Hydro Blue or a Berkey water filter, definitely something that you need to consider. You know, they're a little bit, Berkeys are a little bit more expensive if you can afford it. Um, those are really great. Uh, the Hydro Blue, I believe, run about $125 right now with free shipping. And they're like, they, they carry 4.5 gallons worth of, of water on the inside. So uh, definitely worth it, but you need to have a solution, you know, a bigger solution just than the portable water filters. Uh, at least that's, in, that's my belief in my estimation. So that's why I, um, I believe in, in having something like a, a Berkey or the Hydro Blue Jerry Can. All right, guys, that is it for episode 288. Uh, just a great way to start off our week. Uh, I know it went a little long on this podcast, but hopefully there was a lot of great information and you enjoyed it and uh, you're able to add to your preparedness. Guys, uh, like always, I hope that if you're looking for more preparedness information, that you would come over to the Prepper Web or to Prepper website and we're always adding articles there every single day. Uh, good stuff over there. And then as well, uh, you know, with the current situation, like I talked about in social media and stuff. I think it's important to have a means of communication that cannot be tampered with by any social medias. And so that's why I believe in the email list. And so when you do subscribe to the email list, you do automatically get enrolled in the e-course, Building a More Self-Reliant Life. And so you get lessons sent to your email and uh, every week, great lessons. I put a lot of time and effort into it. And uh, I've gotten some great feedback from different people. I need to read some of those, uh, you know, some of those extra tips that people have sent me. Uh, so because I think those are great. So uh, I will be doing that here in the future. All right, guys, that is it for episode 288. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace. <laughs>